0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: book on uh, called Drugs as a Weapon Against Us, and uh, is a uh, interesting thing about, about this this book is that uh, it details how a group of opium trafficking families came uh, came to form an American oligarchy and eventually achieved global dominance. This oligarchy helped fund the Nazi regime and then saved thousands of Nazis to work with the Central Intelligence Agency. CIA operations such as MKUltra pushed LSD and other drugs on leftist leaders and left-leaning populations at home and abroad. Evidence supports that this oligarchy uh, further led the United States into its longest-running wars in the ideal areas for opium crops, while also massively funding wars in areas of coca plant abundance or cocaine production under the guise of of war on drugs. And that is actually the use of war of the
0: drugs, use of
1: drugs. as a war on us. And it's like uh he and he goes into this quite quite extensively in his book and we'll uh we'll get that to that in a few minutes. But um, in the meantime, uh we're going to uh we'll be calling him in this tonight. is going to be interesting um, trying to get to my uh, trying to get to my other stats here so. here we go about Jim Webb. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on, yeah, I just wanted to, to talk about that. This Jim Webb uh, says he's going to... Jim Webb who, He's a kinda, former senator from Virginia. Yeah,
0: and
1: he's running for... Yeah, he's run He's going to be... He's going to decide he's going to run uh, for president in a few days. Just notice. He
0: says
1: he's going to make a decision. Yeah. Now, he should... You know, he, he's been a forerunner for quite a while. I'm not a forerunner, but he's been... Talking about it, and I've I've joined his campaign, but he doesn't seem to be too uh, too eager. So it says. Uh, hang on a second.
0: <laughs> Former U.S. Senator Jim Webb will decide in the next few days whether he is running for president. He said Tuesday, at a presidential forum in Baltimore. Webb from Virginia told the National Sheriffs Association that he expected to be very busy over the next week and later clarified to reporters that he would announce his plans within the next few days. His discussion with the sheriff showed both the appeal and the limitations of a Webb candidacy. The Virginia Democrats spoke in detail about his efforts while in the Senate to launch a prison reform commission, a proposal that died under Republican filibuster. If you're looking for the kind of leadership that would change the national dialogue on this discussion, we've shown it, Webb told Sheriff Keith Kane of Davis County, Kentucky, who asked about the crowding of prisons and jails with mentally ill inmates. The type of leadership that you would look for, I hope, is the type that would take on the tough issues that other people don't want to talk about.
1: I was really surprised to see this, uh, Jeff uh, Webb appears to defend the Confederate flag. But Webb
0: was also comparative twice, saying that the Sheriff's Association finally supported his legislation only in 2011. He chartered the American Correctional Association for not demanding higher standards for prison wardens. He spoke bluntly against the over-militarization of local law enforcement agencies, saying that when police are heavied up with basically military gear, and vehicles outside extraordinary situations, that sends a bad message. We don't want to give the impression to local communities that we are militarizing our local law enforcement, he said. There is a difference between a police officer and a military officer. Asked about a vote against denying funds to sanctuary cities for illegal immigrants, he told the questioner it was one of those Rush Limbaugh amendments. That's kind of absurd. He said he, he said he supported local law enforcement agencies that choose not to enforce federal immigration law in a bid to maintain trust with immigrant communities. At the same time, he put some distance between himself and President Obama on immigration, a key issue for the offices in the room. While Congress is basically declining to legislate, they're paralyzed on immigration reform. He said it was important to be careful on that issue. He would say only that Obama's executive actions deferring deportation were not legal, not whether he would continue them should he become president. I would look at them, Webb said. As he said before, he accused the administration of not paying more attention to violence south of the border. I would like to see our foreign policy focus more heavily on solving the problems in Mexico and Central America, he said, noting that recent waves of immigrants have been motivated by instability in
1: their home countries. The hour-long event was policy-oriented. There were no applause lines or sweeping pronouncements in Webb's remarks. About 100 sheriffs listened politely, and several stood to thank him uh, for his service during the Vietnam War. Should he announce a campaign this week, it remains unclear where he will do so. He appears close to announcing a bid in Iowa on Friday a launch that some people close to the former senator told Fox News was scuttled only by the Clinton campaign scheduling a competing event. Well, Webb formed his exploratory committee in November and has since been publicly indecisive about a campaign. He is worried that he will not be able to raise the money to compete with former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, Uh, nor could he easily attack Clinton on the left as former Maryland Governor uh, Martin O'Malley and Bernie Sanders have, uh, through criminal justice reform, provides one such opening. Webb ended his appearance by saying that he was very proud of having worked in Reagan's administration as the Navy's Secretary, and he uh, responded to a question about his opinion on the Confederate flag by noting that conservative commentator Chris Crumman, whatever his name is, Krauthammer, Uh, came to a similar conclusion. Uh, Democratic Party voters are unlikely to be impressed by those references. And Webb was the only Democratic candidate to address the Sheriff's Association for him. Republicans Ben Carson and Mike Huckabee also spoke. That's interesting. So, But here, um, this was kind of interesting here where
0: well, that's what you no, just read. No. What he said. Well, I know
1: that's what he said, but it's not exactly what he, he didn't say. What he would do about the, uh, about the uh, flag? Yeah, got remember, he's, a, he's from Virginia, Kentucky.
0: Former Virginia senator and potential presidential candidate Jim Webb is not calling for a Confederate battle flags to be removed from public property, saying the issue is complicated. Webb who is, ex- Webb, who is exploring the twenty sixteen presidential campaign wrote on Facebook that the flag has wrongly been used for racist and other purposes in recent decades. It should not be used in a way as a political symbol that divides us. At the same time he avoided any explicit call to remove the flag from public places as of as many of the Democratic and major Republican presidential contenders have in the wake of last week's shooting at a historic black church in Charleston, South Carolina. Instead Webb ruminated on the complicated history of the Civil War and suggested that slavery was not inextricably tied
1: to the Confederate side. Oh
0: my God. Uh you know,
1: I I I liked this guy, but I I, I really you gotta wonder what he's talking about.
0: So anyway, i
1: i you want to, let's not continue with this, okay? All right. Good That's about enough. I, I, I admired him for what he in. Now I don't know if he's really you know I don't know how anybody can say that. That uh, you know, the South wasn't exorbitantly tied to uh racism. Come on. That's nuts. That doesn't even make sense. And it and of course the the the, the flag is a symbol of that. That
0: whole economy was based on... And it's not to say at that time that slavery wasn't common everywhere in the world. That's right. And it was.
1: No, that's really but funny. it doesn't
0: make it right still. No, and why they have that flying from public buildings. I never understood
1: why that flag was flying from public buildings, to tell you the truth. Yeah, uh, it does. I mean, uh, but um, um, I was kind of surprised um but I'm ne I've never lived I, I like in the South no. and
0: I'm not a southerner yeah. and I don't really uh, and I don't know very many people from the South to tell you the truth. So I well I find it hard to resurrect an argument to support that. But,
1: but you gotta you gotta understand, he's a senator, former senator from the South. So he was born and raised in the South. He was uh, This is what I was born and raised in West Virginia.
0: Yeah, this is what in, I this uh, is what I'm Appalachia. saying you. Uh, I mean I I don't have...
1: Um, no, I, I know what you're saying.
0: But I definitely
1: know what that you're That cultural experience. But, but he does, and and so you know, he's he tied does. to that southern thing, so it's very hard for him to... So It was kind uh, of yeah, a difficult yeah.
0: question for him. He obviously was raised to think in a different way than... uh is, So,
1: but,
0: but I don't think it should be flying from public buildings. I really don't think right. so.
1: If people if
0: people want to honor their debt.
1: Uh, put it on their grave, that kind of thing, or well, even if they want to do that, I
0: mean, they're just advertising that
1: they're you know. Well, maybe it's a they're tied to a racist past, you know. so That's, that's maybe that's, you know, you know maybe that's only part of what they. I wouldn't want a Confederate flag on my on my coffin. Anyway, I'm gonna, I'm, we're gonna call our guest there, and uh, John Podesta, and uh, who wrote a great book on uh, drugs, uh, drugs weapons.
2: call didn't go through it only you have to
1: call oh, it. they only rang once so that's weird again. hi this is John hi John this is uh, Leo and Lila Leo from the LA School hey. Show how
2: are you good Leo how are you doing
1: good good okay. hi hey. John fascinating hi. book hi. yeah fascinating, fascinating thanks a stuff. lot yeah I
2: appreciate it
1: yeah we uh we were—I uh, was kind of amazed actually—to uh, think well, that, yeah, uh, you know, what 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 really goes on there. But I—I um, I wonder. Uh, I just saw many, so yeah, many people
0: yeah. that that you mm-hmm. listed in that book who were so manipulated by us, as you say, drugs as a weapons weapons against us, and. Um, who, well, we're, yeah, we're, talk- we're
2: manipulated to to then be, have influence over us. Yeah.
0: Are you talking uh, the, is the US? Is that the American population, or is it? Yeah, more my in- my,
2: argue, my argument is that the uh, the CIA's Operation MKUltra was directed against all of us, but it, it particularly targeted the musicians to set them up as role, role models for us to popularize drugs amongst us to get you know, the uh, budding youth that were getting more and more into civil rights activism and anti-war activism to divert them with the drugs and to hurt their competency at doing the best activism by getting them into the drugs and still going on today, yeah.
0: Yes, and when you say Going on today, you uh, you mentioned the uh, Occupy Wall Street movement.
1: Yeah, we're right. Which how uh, infiltrated that was by, it, by the drugs uh, drug issue.
0: Which is a movement that so many people identified with, and it just mm-hmm. seemed to suddenly fizzle. Is that because that was infiltrated and targeted with drugs?
2: Well, I don't know about all of it. I just document uh, the fact that in Minneapolis, you know film uh filmmakers caught police bribing you know occupiers um and with different you know money and drugs and got them really stoned and and gave them some synthetic marijuana which can cause psychosis and oh, yeah. uh and then bribed them in other ways to interrogate them about occupy uh you know Wall Street in Minneapolis and the Occupy movement over there, and so, and I show evidence that it was actually happening in many cities. It wasn't just Minneapolis. They just happened to be caught in Minneapolis. So you no, know, I
1: wanted to I wanted to ask you uh, this because you, you talked mm-hmm. about uh, the SDS and um, uh, and uh, <clears throat> its involvement, uh, its involvement so much, but how the CIA targeted them. But mm-hmm. it's interesting to, that you talked about Colombia. And that's where uh, uh, Holder went to, um, Attorney General, former Attorney. General.
2: Oh really? Yeah. He, he was. I didn't realize. Yeah, that. he
1: was a major member of the SDS, and he, he did, wasn't he
0: one of the occupiers of the uh He, the he, he, was, he was
1: one of the occupiers and of the dean's And he never office.
0: graduated, but got a degree.
1: No, no. It, what was, I, it, was no, yeah, with that. Well, it
0: was kind of funny. Well,
1: it's 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 really interesting because he eventually became the the the, the top cop in the country. You know. But uh, he was he was uh, an informant there.
2: Uh, Oh, really?
1: He had some major clout because what had happened was he himself, admittedly, okay, in interviews, uh, stated that he never he hardly attended any classes. Didn't go to class. Uh, And uh, when when they occupied, uh, Mm. and he didn't have to take any any tests. Okay. Wow, that's fascinating. and accordingly because of in- intimidation because he had uh, he was one of the few that um uh, uh held the uh, you know held the campus uh you know the uh, uh, professors office the law office uh, the dean the Colombian, yeah the dean's office
0: uh,
1: the uh hostage you know and mm-hmm. uh and held the uh attack the building but uh, that must—that was right around the same time. And I was curious if, if Holder was ever. Um,
0: Did you have any research come yeah, up on him or yeah. his
2: name? I, come up? I don't, I don't on Holder, but that's pretty wild. Yeah, I do find that kind of uh, that pattern of people that work for U.S. intelligence in any way, shape, or form often, you know, receive like kind of uh, promotions in their careers. I do yeah, find I mean, that yeah.
1: so, huh? he was just uh, a, yeah. yeah, he was a student there, okay? A law student. Yeah. There. Uh, well, and uh, uh, he protested and actually was uh, was, was was outright uh, an, an, an outright anarchist. And, sort uh, of. Yeah yeah, sort of. So uh But you're I'm saying
2: not, that he was he was an informant on the movement too. Oh yeah.
1: Must oh have oh it must have been. It had to be. Must have you know, been. that's why he was the most radical, you know what I mean? The
2: most radical uh-huh. you know. yeah, so, well, uh, yeah you know, and your your evidence that he was an informant was that he wasn't attending classes, but they still graduated, and they still gave him a degree, huh that's interesting, said, I didn't know it
1: i I saw the interview that he said it himself,
0: right,
1: oh, wow. it was amazing uh, he, that's that, something. Uh, they don't keep any of this secret, they just you know It blatantly stated
0: stated
1: it in in, in, in one of his uh one of his interviews uh. Okay. And, uh yeah, you know, they said the, you know they asked him about it. and He said, "Yeah, said, it's weird, huh?" He said, "I didn't even have to, mm-hmm. t- I didn't even have to take a test." And I got my degree. So, yeah, yeah. None of the, he didn't have to take any of the finals because he. See, I
0: wish my my college years had been so easy. Yeah, <laughs> right, <because> he, <laughs> right. He, he,
1: Yeah, he held up the building, you know. It was really <laughs> Mine weren't bizarre, that much fun.
0: You know. I
1: had to study. But I mean, look where <laughs> okay. he, look where he went from from a SDS uh, president or some sort to uh, mm-hmm. you know Columbia to the. Uh, uh, to uh, you know,
2: the
1: attorney
2: general. Yeah. So uh, that is something.
1: But I, you know, I, I, the other thing I was really, I really was curious about was the MK Ultra program, like you mentioned.
2: Well, that's the main framework for the whole, for most of the book, actually.
1: Right, right.
2: And, like for the most uh, chapters in the book, I'll say, yeah.
1: Right, we are. uh, But if you could explain more about the MK Ultra program and how to our listeners, to our listeners, sure. uh, We've talked about it before, and we've had a guest on uh, Hank Arabelli who wrote about the uh, MK Ultra program. But I'd Mm -hmm. like you to uh, maybe mention how how it really got into the uh, music and the cultural and the drug uh, 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 epidemic right right, about and. also, uh, explain who the uh, cartel was, you know, that brought this all in. Uh, I believe there's some familiar names there.
2: Okay, sure. And so are we going from 815 to 845, is that right, or what's yeah, the time schedule you. on this?
1: If you, if you want to, if you need to. Because yeah, be, whatever, you
2: tell me, whatever you want to do, however you want to do things is fine with well, me. Let's, let's
1: see how we go, you know, you're, you know. Okay. You have a lot
0: of information. So go ahead. Yeah, a lot of questions.
2: I do. Yeah, I'm sorry to say that I, I'm a little bit sick and uh, I haven't eaten dinner because I just got out of work um, before uh, eight o- about eight o'clock. So I'm sorry. I wish I had more for you, more time for you, more energy. But hopefully we can do this another time too to to have more time another time if you'd like. Sure.
0: That would be great. Well, just just do as much as you can, and if you when if you if you've got sure. enough, just let us just know. Just let us know. That's yeah, a, yeah. That's okay. all right, and well, and, and we'll make another appointment to, to
1: okay, hear more. Okay. Great.
2: Because we like
1: to uh we like to get as much uh in our interviews as possible and uh you know sure, sure. To, to talk as much about their book as possible.
0: So okay. let, let our listeners know a little bit about MK
2: Ultra. Exactly. Yeah, sure. Um now you, are we start we taping now?
1: Oh yeah, we're on it. We're
2: on air now. Okay. Yeah, I just didn't know. Okay. So MK Ultra um was basically a, a, an operation of the CIAs that had stemmed from two other operations, Operation Bluebird and Operation Artichoke that uh, started about the the end of the 1940s up until 1953. In 1953, the CIA started MKUltra, which incorporated those other programs and then MKUltra became so uh, large that it had many dozens and dozens of sub-operations as part of it and it was split up into two areas. Uh, one area was radiation. The other area was drugs. But drugs is the, what I, of course, cover and is the largest part of it. Um, now, when it started investigating the use of drugs as uh, weapons, um, and I show the manual and it's, it, you know, I show the covers of the manuals on this program that say the use of drugs as unconventional warfare. They call it. Um, they tested at least two, di- two dozen different drugs for use in unconventional warfare. Um, they tested um, two dozen drugs on a 1,000 Edgewood Arsenal soldiers, and they documented all the outcomes of the use of the drugs on them. They also tested these drugs on uh, prisoners. They tested them on uh, some hospital patients. And eventually, they uh, started a CIA front company called the Human Ecology Fund, which gave grants... To over uh, to professors at over a hundred different colleges around the country to pay volunteers to try different psychedelics, and in that way we're we're testing psychedelics on college students. And they also ran these tests uh, and gave these grants to different hospitals, like a hospital associated with Stanford University in the West Coast, where um, Ken Kesey uh, first tried psychedelics. Um, and so Timothy Leary was got a grant to do that work at Harvard. You know, he was just one example of uh, some of the professors that got these grants to do that work. He was testing uh, you know, psychedelic mushrooms when students. And um, in 19, it was, I think it was about 1962 or 3, um, a guy named Michael Hollingshead uh, entered his life. Hollingshead called himself a British propaganda agent. Um, and I show all the evidence that he, he was a basically a British intelligence agent, um, he was already testing acid out on dignitaries from the United Nations where he had an apartment. He had an apartment right next to the United Nations. Now, MKUltra, the director of MKUltra, Sidney Gottlieb, and other uh, MKUltra agents were uh, using acid. Now, LSD became the most used drug in MKUltra, and what they were doing is they developed, ABC News said that they developed a psychedelic hit list. And they had on that hit list uh, a number of leftist leaders around the world. And that included Nasser of Egypt and uh, Che Guevara and Fidel Castro of Cuba, of course. And they planned to dose them in different ways to try to make them less competent in their speeches and discredit them. Um, and I show studies that that uh, present the evidence that they were trying to just make them less competent overall because it, uh, a number of uh, at least four studies show that they were finding that uh, the acid was causing some kind of cerebral damage, even though they couldn't pinpoint what exactly the damage was. But um, people like William S. Burroughs, you know, famous for books like *Naked Lunch*, was no prude about drugs. He was a heroin addict, but he said that when Leary introduced him to acid, he said no. You know, he said he didn't like it. And he said that he thinks that LSD was making people less competent. And so that's what a number of people end up uh, believing also. And uh, so Hollingshead introduced Leary to acid when Leary was only using psychedelic mushrooms. Had uh, Leary taken enough acid to trip for three straight days and turned his mind into jelly for a little while there, his uh, colleagues couldn't believe it. They didn't know what happened to Leary when he was tripping for three straight days. He was became a lapdog for Hollingshead. And he ended up starting to work with Hollingstead very very seriously and uh, ended up you know, admitting later that he was actually, he knew he was working for the CIA from a, around that time onwards and um, and proceeded to use acid in his experiments instead of the um, the mushrooms. was kicked out of Harvard, no. but then, and, and so I'm sorry, did you want to ask some questions about all that?
1: One, yeah, one, only one question, because you mentioned it was from London, but there was a... Um, i don't know if it was him or there was another uh agent tied in with the uh with the british uh tavistock uh group and so on, mm-hmm. at, who actually was an agent uh that uh, disseminated this l s d to haight ashbury into the, into the that whole um uh that whole thing going that whole hippie movement thing going mm-hmm. on out there uh at the time but he infiltrated uh that area with l s d and he got hundreds of thousands of samples supposedly of this uh mm-hmm. of stuff that he sent to him given to him and he and what he did is he gave everybody on the street acid and everything went to yeah. these concerts and gave everybody these, it these just, bits of these you know
0: they,
1: and at that time it was a little stuff on a like uh, on a on yeah, like yeah. Yeah. yeah and, they, yeah. Uh, and so he passed out he literally i saw a documentary on this a while back uh, mm-hmm. several, years, several years ago and he actually he actually gave was responsible for giving out hundreds of thousands of tabs of l s d in into that in in california and especially in the haight ashbury community
2: yeah but, i'm glad um, i'm glad you saw that because um yeah the tavistock was working closely tavistock was associated with british c i a you know the m i six and they were working with um, MKUltra, you know, in worldwide operations such as this. Canadian doctors were also working with MKUltra. You know, yeah, Supposedly, uh, uh,
1: according to uh, um, uh, a, a book written by an ex-CIA agent, uh, Coltrane, I believe his name was uh, Coltrane, mm-hmm. John Coltrane, uh, and he he wrote a book uh, uh, on on this entire thing, basically, uh, and it. Good. Um, talked about Tavistock and talked about mm-hmm. how the um uh the all of the this the the what is it, the Br- the sound of the British, you know? The music the, the music of the music of the British yeah. uh big thing invasion was all mm-hmm. music that was actually written by the Tavistock by the Tavistock people and and uh used they used wow. they discovered the Beatles and the um Rolling Stones
0: well, and those, a bunch of those areas, rhythms that, that,
1: that resonate
0: but, that resonate very deeply, that, and, and they were all
1: basic. That all of the rhythms that were used in all that music was mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, tribal. Mm-hmm. It was based on tribal rhythmic uh, responses, To mesmerizing and mind control, you know, and the shamanistic. Well, they, uh, the psychologists uh, had done that.
0: a lot of work on yeah, it. And, and,
1: they, and Jungian. Well, Jung, of course, yeah. but all these guys. Had done this stuff, but they, um, you know, and at that time uh, uh, during the '60s, I believe, Algus Huxley and a few of his cronies—they were all—they were all popping mescaline and
2: LSD, you
1: know—and
2: yeah. doing experiments
1: yeah. and reporting their experiments on.
2: It. Yeah, Huxley's interesting because he had originally warned against you know, these kinds of drugs used. To uh, sedate, you know, the masses, and uh, but then he was—I know he was had really bad eyesight. He was partially blind, and he kind of got—I think he got manipulated into uh, promoting it. After all, yeah, but I think he oh, died yeah. with like mixed messages about it all. Yeah, well, yeah. I,
0: When I was reading some of the of the um, material that your publisher sent us, I noticed mm-hmm. that there are a lot of names of music people and. People who have been in movements of change in this mm-hmm. country, in particular, you know, and, pe- and leftist. But the one group, the one person who's who's kind of missing is Martin Luther King.
2: Yeah, I do have and, King in there. Yeah, but uh, I just you know he's just not as associated with you know drugs as the rest of them, so I didn't put his picture on there. I, I talk about him in my first book, The FBI War on Tupac Shakur and Black Leaders, and he's prominent oh, oh. in that book. Yeah. Um, now, in this book, I only talk about him and Malcolm X because of the fact that they were so adamantly against the Vietnam War. And, Malcolm, um, Malcolm I. Sh- yeah, Malcolm X was one of the first to protest the Vietnam War of, of black leaders. And um, so when MLK uh, came out against the Vietnam War officially in Riverside Church, in a famous speech at Riverside Church, uh, William Pepper, who did the, I argue the best you know documentation in books on MLK's assassination by the government, he says that it was it was no coincidence that exactly one year after his pronouncement against the Vietnam War that he was assassinated, and um, yeah, and so and I showed the evidence that the Vietnam War was very largely over uh, control of the poppy fields that produce you know opium and heroin in the sure. Golden uh, Triangle area around Vietnam. And I uh, quote John Stockwell, you know, who who told me he transported uh, opium in, in planes from Vietnam to the United States, and uh, you know, we just documented all that of the way how how Air America was about transporting opium and heroin to the United States yeah, and other parts yeah. of the world. Yeah. I wanted
1: to ask you you talk about it, uh, about the cartel, if you will, the same the same people, the families that that were involved. Uh, definitely, it was the Bush family and uh, heroin. yeah all these others but can you explain this because i think it it's so uh, it's known in circles and it's known by by many people but uh i don't think the uh, bush himself G g h w the old, the old man he was he was responsible for the for the opium trade with the c i a wasn't he
2: well he i know you. he was
1: I know he was CIA director
2: in nineteen seventy six and uh usually you don't just become CIA director, usually you uh rise up in the ranks and uh there's evidence that he was rising up in the ranks from the time of the Kennedy assassination uh onwards. And so, um but yeah, you know he was definitely head of, of uh US intelligence operations around the cocaine trafficking under Reagan. When he was vice president he was head of the National Security Council, which, you know, over overruns, I mean just overlooks and supervises all of the, the operations, you know, intelligence operations now during the opium trade I, I imagine, yeah, people probably do have some evidence, you know, linking him to the opium trade, I, I I didn't show that or have that in particular but I can imagine, yes, he was involved I just don't well, know well actually,
1: when you mentioned the uh, you know, their, their Nazi sympathizers and mm-hmm. Nazis, uh, it was Bush's father uh, Pres- yeah, Prescott, uh, right uh, Bush and Prescott's uh, father-in-law uh, Harriman, uh, yeah. they were the ones that uh, were involved with financing the Nazis, as well as the
2: right. Russian Revolution for a kind of that And uh, yeah, I've I got the work on the Nazi funding the Nazis in terms of with Brown Brothers Harriman. He was head of Brown Brothers Harriman in terms of president. You know, Brown Brothers Harriman, and uh, and then you know then they saved loads of Nazis after the war. After funding them during the war, they didn't save so many of them for to help with the uh, cocaine trafficking in Latin America, but also to bring them into MKUltra as scientists for MKUltra under Operation Paperclip. And, you know, with Operation Sunshine, that's the operation that saved thousands of them to send down all throughout Latin America. Yeah.
0: Well, these are certainly things that have happened in our near past. Uh, Based on all the information that Mm -hmm. you have and that you've read, what do you predict might happen now?
2: Well, I show the evidence that these MKUltra-type operations continued. They never ended. They were supposed to end, you know, when the uh, CIA you know, said they closed down MKUltra in the early 70s, um, and Richard Helms shredded, you know, all the MKUltra documents, but um, he didn't get the ones in the financial department. So, you know, researchers were able to see about 30,000 documents that were still in the financial department. But um, when you look it's at a lot of the different... Uh, same operations the brotherhood of eternal love for example was what timothy leary became part of it was uh, started by the peggy and billy uh, mellon hitchcock Mellon hitchcock family were you know intimately tied to us intelligence posts in different eras and they also owned golf oil and uh, mellon bank you know people know mellon bank yeah. usually but um they um you know they continued running the largest lsd operation in the world um First in the sixties, first they funded Timothy Leary when he came out of Harvard. then they funded him when they you know on the West Coast too when he teamed up with uh Owsley a bit um and then when Ronald Stark, who was found to be you know, by government commission to be uh, you know part of u s intelligence since nineteen sixty stark uh started acid laboratories on several continents before he was uh, arrested by italian police um he you know they they were running all these operations with, you know, literally uh, 50 to 100 million hits uh, annually, or more than that, really, of of acid. But according to many major, many important sources, when before they, before Stark in particular was caught, but they continued running it after Stark was caught and in jail for a few years and then let go. Um, and so even in 1984, uh, a client I was counseling, who was uh, dealing acid. Um, Said, well, I, you know, I was busted um, when I was caught by a some DE agent when I was getting my uh, supply from the Brotherhood of Eternal. You know, he actually said from a California, you know, supplier, and I just guessed was it the Brotherhood of Eternal Love, and he, he got scared. He said, you know, how would you know that? Um, but then that was in the mid '80s. Now, in 2001, a guy named William Picard was caught with tens of millions of, you know, the supplies for tens of millions of hits of acid. He had connections to the Brotherhood of Eternal Love. He had connections to top government uh, workers. He had connections to uh, police all over the world. It's incredible, the connections he had. And this all came out in the San Francisco Chronicle and uh, Rolling Stone magazine. And um, so this, you know, so at least it was obvious it was still going on in 2001. And I show how currently, today, the multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies and the hefter institute were both associated with this William Picard who was caught with all this acid and are still funding uh acid studies all over the world and promotion of uh, acid all over the world and are a, seem, seem to be a you know a new version of the human ecology front that CIA front company from the 60s well
1: <laughs> it's, it's interesting that uh you say that, but uh, there is a, 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 there is a movement. It seems to bring um, a psychedelics back as a therapeutic uh, um, uh, a cool.
2: tool. Tool. Yeah, and uh, that's out of Maps and Hefter. H- Maps and Hefter are the biggest pushers of that movement. Yes.
1: Right, and they and uh, was it uh, oh what's his name? Uh, I we just we were just talking to him. Vateman. Um, Batman, I believe his name is.
2: Uh, Greg uh, Battison
1: Battison yeah, I believe so. Uh, yeah, he I don't, from,
2: I've heard his name. I don't really know. Uh, he
1: was, he was in, involved with that group and uh, he wrote a book mm-hmm. on exploring psychedelics or something.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: mm-hmm. We, uh, we we spoke to him, but the interesting thing was is that uh, 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 the uh, I, I, the as you said, the MK Ultra is, is continuing. We had a, a good yeah. friend of ours who, was, who did a show with our, our show for um, a number of years. He passed away a few years ago, but he uh, he was a regular, uh, and he uh, was involved with the with the Montauk project. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but that's where um, that's what happened to the uh, to to the to the project you were talking about <coughs> the, the original project, the MK Ultra mm-hmm. got. Uh, moved into the Montauk project, okay, which was in Long Island. Island. Well, not just time travel, okay. but it got into mind-controlling and mind-control mind control. concepts and everything else. But mm. it, it was all put together in in this Long Island uh, 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 base, Montauk base. Uh,
2: that well, that's interesting, job. yeah, because MKO just started in Cold Spring uh, Laboratories in Long uh, Island and uh it's interesting because the eugenics movement had started at Cold Spring Harbor in laboratories yeah. in Long Island and the <laughs> same people were involved in both and the same people funded both
1: yep yep and uh and part of it was that uh it was uh, part of the Montauk project was the time travel uh involvement with the with alien interventions and all kinds of incredible things that happened
2: well yeah i, I don't know if i i can believe that the time travel and alien interventions, but uh, to me that that's usually like a smear of um, of what were legitimate projects um, that were ugly enough that you know to um, to yeah. uh, you know Actually, to say that and that aliens are involved in it too. It's uh, uh, to me that kind of discredits the original information, but maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe maybe people have more evidence well, than I have know, on I that, was so. that. The thing uh, was that
1: the that project was stemmed from the 1944 experiment of the Pennsylvania. Uh, USS Pennsylvania, or USS Philadelphia, rather. Uh, uh-huh. I don't know if you heard about that project where it
2: actually nah.
1: Tesla had invented. Nikola Tesla was asked; he was working for the Navy then, and he asked for uh-huh. he asked them to create this uh, uh, machine that could create invisibility, and mm-hmm. um, it actually did. Uh, it 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 uh, <coughs> it, it um, dematerialized or dematerialized uh and uh and, and transported uh the uh ship into another into another time okay actually into nineteen eighty one It's so bizarre, but it really did happen actually I even wrote a movie on it It was actually
2: well, I think Tesla was brilliant for sure and did amazing things but i just, i'm it. sorry that I, I don't believe that that he transported a ship into nineteen eighty one I mean I'm not saying <laughs> it's impossible. But I just thought yeah, No, just it was a very time. bizarre.
1: No, the thing I have a was, hard time
2: believing it happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was so I mean, Tesla it was did good.
2: amazing experiments. He was so before his time, and you oh, know, yeah. it's too bad we don't. We still don't have a lot of his great work uh, with us, and we probably do, but they keep it in the closet. You know, like they do a lot of great uh, inventions. yeah, they
1: actually got a car company named after him now.
2: So. Yeah, but, right. But it's too bad that that's the last, That's all we have of of his work. You know, the, you know, in the public. It's, but where yeah. do
1: you think? I mean, how far now? I I know you're a drug counselor uh, uh-huh. and you know, and uh, for twenty five years. But we, uh, where where do you see, um, it going now? Do you see do you see that this war on drugs, uh, coming to some uh, kind of a an end, or do you see the legalization of much of this, like like marijuana and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whatever, whatever other do you think other it would make a difference if if it were if all
0: drugs were legalized here like it is in some other places in the world?
2: Well, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I I do believe in the decriminalization because I do think a lot of the drugs are used as excuses to to get felonies on people for just possession of things and and right. so I'm I'm into I'm okay with decriminalization, but. I just think that um, it's you know I, I don't really touch that much on that issue as much as just the fact that the drugs are are kind of used in a war on us to hurt our minds and take us yeah. from our our best abilities to stop what what appears to be these oligarchs taking more and more rights from us and polluting our environment more and more and and getting us involved in endless wars you know and so. I um I just argue for the fact that like watch out for what they're trying to fool us into doing, which is, which is use more and more drugs and divert ourselves from you know stopping what they're doing to us in our society, you know.
1: Kind of like Brave so, New World, isn't it? You know, the Oh sure,
2: of course, yeah, no doubt. The
1: population to control them. Yeah,
2: yeah, well, yeah. and. um you know, so some of the operations were you know, were run, you know, in London, for example. Uh, Ernest Hemingway's longtime editor, um, A.E. Hotchner, talked about um, how a guy named Robert Lashbrook, a 12-year CIA veteran, was uh, in charge. it you know, was an MKUltra agent, and he took Human Ecology Fund money and brought it to London and had agents such as Steve Abrams, who Hotchner also uh, interviewed, who were trying to get acid in as many musicians' hands as possible. To And then the uh, you know, CIA documents say that their goal was to try and manipulate people easier, get them eating acid, because they found that they can manipulate them easier when, once they were using acid. And so, um, you know, that was part of it, I argue, and I showed how they dosed John Lennon, uh, the evidence that they dosed John Lennon, a dentist actually dosed John Lennon, invited him over for dinner and then dosed him and George Harrison, before George Harrison even knew what LSD was,
1: hmm.
2: and um, I thought that was so, interesting
1: cause, yeah, he said he was given to him by a dentist or something. And, yeah, um, but the thing that that was bizarre is that he claimed to have had over two thousand acid, uh, trip. acid trips in his life, and uh, and so did uh, John, 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 and and Paul. Okay,
2: they yeah.
1: Both, uh, Admitted to, to heavy acid trips. I think the only one who didn't overdo it was uh, Ringo, because he, he was a drunk.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Know, yeah, I don't know exactly how many um, trips they took, but maybe they did take that many. But yeah, I over they, over
1: they both. They both admitted they to over, about to over two thousand trips. Wow.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, see, w- what happened to Lennon? Lennon towards uh, around the time around nineteen. 19- John Lennon admitted it said that he he wanted he explored the idea of tree panning, where he would drill holes in his skull to expand his consciousness, and um, so the fact that he was considering drilling holes in his skull to expand his consciousness shows that he was you know somewhat losing his mind on the acid. He also got, lost his emotional control so much in the early 70s that when before he would do concerts he threw up for hours. Because he was so anxious and so nervous about doing concerts, even though he had done them for years, and that's another effect I find of of LSD, you know, heavy LSD use, and so um, you know these are some of the the negative consequences of all that acid, and he he, he said he told Yoko Ono and another guy working in his company, uh, in his mu- in music company you know, I think I'm losing my mind on acid, I've got to stop. And they, they tried said, well, no, you're you're fine, don't worry about it, you don't have to stop, you're fine. But he did eventually get away from acid in the 70s, and, you know, he became a recluse for a bit, but he was basically just taking care of his son. But then when he came back to music again, you know, he had sobered up a good bit, was getting back into activism, and that's when uh, attorney Fenton Bressler, who um, was a, you know, a crime reporter for a, a London daily newspaper, uh, investigated John Lennon's murder for seven years and came to the conclusion that the that the CIA actually orchestrated his murder.
1: Yeah, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, not at all. Yeah. Like you know you know the the, strength, the the interesting thing though that you mentioned was the five mm-hmm. years that he supposedly took care of his son. It was those mm-hmm. five years. Uh, there's there's uh, evidence that what happened was is he and um, Yoko were both uh, heroin addicts. And, uh, yeah, getting, I know he uh, developed
2: a heroin problem for a while, sure They, would mean, it, they, yeah. were, they were getting
1: heroin deliveries uh, You know, three or four times a week you know, Probably a day. And, uh But he, uh, that was a major, major problem, too
2: Yeah, I, I heard of, Yeah, that was in the early 70s, sure uh, I don't know yeah. how long it lasted But I heard he had sobered up Before he came out with those uh, two last albums at the same time
1: 1980, so it was like, you know, there was
2: yeah, it was quite a
0: controversial. Well, they they, managed, there. they managed in the, in those two decades yeah. to get rid of every liberal.
1: All the liberals, every every liberal voice right. was, was destroyed by by the time Reagan came into office. That's no. right.
2: Yeah, John F.
1: Uh, Robert Kennedy, uh, right, yeah, Malcolm X, Malcolm, Martin Luther, uh, Martin Luther, Luther King. King, and yeah, uh, and uh, uh, there was, was one other major one major voice he too. There were five.
0: Major
1: voices in, in, in and there
2: like were no leaders. There were no leaders for the liberal movement. Yeah, they were all gone. Yeah, 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 left- yeah. I mean, that might. My first, the first title of my book. I mean, my subtitle of my book is you know, the. The title, of course, is "Drugs as Weapons Against Us." The subtitle um, is "The CIA's Murderous Targeting of SDS, Panthers, Hendricks, Lennon, Cobain, Tubac, and Other Activists." Um, I originally had said "other leftists," but um, I decided to change it to "activists" because. I think our media has us so uh, kind of divided between right and left that I didn't want to uh, people that were duped into you know thinking leftists is so bad to uh, not look at the book, not consider looking at the book. But but I agree with you that they really did target leftists in a serious way because the oligarchy is hyper capitalist, you know, extremely right wing and and oh,
1: uh, yeah. But everything, I mean, after, after, uh, well, after, before, I would say that mm-hmm. well before um, uh, uh, Woodstock, uh, you mm-hmm. had that in the Monterey, uh, they, you had you had a tremendous amount of uh, 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 anti-war, uh, pro, you know, protests. and then by the mm-hmm. time you got into the early seventies, you had a massive protests. and uh, but the one thing I was surprised, I didn't know, I knew Jimi Hendrix was an ex. Um, Marine, I think. I knew he was an ex-Army guy, but, uh, Mm. you know, and uh, he got out and, you know, started his career, but I didn't, was he, was he a massive, a major, is he becoming a major threat to them?
2: Yeah, because he, um, some things happened with him. Uh, One thing is, after Martin Luther King's assassination, he became very political. Um, right. He first uh, like you know shunned the Black Panthers, but then after MLK's assassination, he dedicated his last album to the Black Panthers. He talked about them in interviews. He he had projects where he planned to uh, talk to Bob Dylan about starting the anti-war movement with him, and and he had a bunch of different projects, uh, you know, leftist projects, according to his fiance Monica Danneman. and so he was getting very political. He was sobering up. He. He, uh, you know, got tried. He got acid and and all other drugs out of his life, except for occasionally smoking a little weed or drinking a little bit. Um, and so he was threatening to role model sobriety, believe it or not. You know, you know something different uh, than they were smearing him with. And uh, but his his manager was a guy named Mike Jeffrey, who admitted he was former MI6, and I show all the evidence that he continued to be MI6 undercover. You know, MI6 being uh, British CIA. And yep. uh, Jeffrey did, uh, had a m- bunch of tactics to undermine Hendricks. And when Hendricks finally fired Jeffrey, within 48 hours, uh, Jeffrey admitted to uh, Rhodey that he had Hendricks killed, and that Rhodey oh. came out with that in a, a recent um, memoir in the last few years, oh, a guy named James yeah. Tapper.
1: Oh. And how about and this thing by out-shooting uh, uh, um, uh Joplin? Joplin. Uh, she, mm-hmm. she was an activist, too, I guess. She, was, she, she had become... Uh, yeah,
2: she uh, announced on the Dick Cavett show that she was doing two uh, stadium concerts to raise money uh, for the anti-war movement in 1968 or 69. I think it was 69, yeah. I guess. But um, So she announced on the Dick Cavett show it was going to be the, the biggest anti-war concert of its time um, because no other concert oh. was devoted just to raising money for the anti-war movement. You know uh, these other concerts like Monterey Pop and Woodstock were not about that. Even though they, people pre- t- try to pretend though they were in, they were peace concerts. When anyone tried to talk against the war on the stage, even Abby Hoffman who tried to get on stage and talk at Woodstock, you know he was he was pushed off the stage basically. Um, so yeah, when you, this was uh, yeah man, this was different. No one, what what Jan Shopkins was doing was very serious and uh, yeah before she, she couldn't do it of course because yeah. uh, she got a hot shot and died.
1: Oh boy.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but she but, her, her then, first her fiance addicted her to speed earlier on. By that and time he, though, he, he I think Abby Hoffman credited
1: though. You know, sixty uh, nine. His heyday was like sixty seven and sixty eight. And 69, Yeah yeah. You know, he's kinda like run out of town. <laughs> uh, right.
2: I I argue that Abby Hoffman's heyday really was like sixty five and sixty six because yeah, right him there. and his wife him and his wife were great activists up in the uh, Massachusetts area. They had two yeah, kids. Exactly. They were doing great activism up there, and uh, were credited with a lot of great work up there. And then an culture scientist um, yeah. introduced Abby Hoffman to acid, and he his wife divorced him, and uh, for because he got so into drugs after that, and then and he, he moved down to the Lower I, East Side. Yeah.
1: You know. You know. It was weird. He was also considered an informant later on. Uh, That's well, I, that I
2: didn't know that.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know, Jerry Jerry Rubin, you know, uh, was was
2: uh, right up there too. And Jerry
1: became a Wall Street broker uh, later yeah. on, and then, and he got killed in a, in a car accident. Oh, somebody ran over him in New York. Yeah.
2: Right. He yeah. was actually had a plan to introduce. Um, an uh, herbal kind of um some kind of special really good for you uh herbal supplement kind of thing to uh gangs to get them to deal in in this this uh kind of different kind of food that's really good for you and liquids that are really good for you um and so he was going to try to get back into uh, an activist project even after he made tons of money on Wall Street but Rubin was a great activist at Berkeley in the 60s in the you know early to mid 60s Great yeah, speech activist, great anti-war activist. But I argue that he got diverted by um, Ken Kesey and the Pranksters group, even though you know, Kesey was duped. But um, the Pranksters, I argue, um, were you know something else because um, John Gittinger, a high-level M.K. ultra-scientist, said in Al Borelli's book, Al Borelli documented this. He said in legal deposition that me and two other M.K. ultra-scientists attended at least several of the early acid acid tests. That uh, right. Kesey and the pranksters had organized. So mm-hmm. there was something really amiss going on there, you know.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah. We, we, we were um, there, there. Was so much stuff that um, we've seen and, and and we grew up with knowing and and, and living mm-hmm. through. Um, yeah, that well, it, it all came to a well, head. It, it well, all it all that, makes the, sense the now. The thing
0: it, that's so sad is that um, young people thought they were rebelling.
2: And really they uh-huh. weren't they were just being sucked into the giant plan. Well there's no rebellion at all. And sadly enough we're being duped today too. Um, you know, a lot of young people are being duped by the thinking that acid is the some kind of revolutionary drug and weed is, is you know, super medicine, miraculous drug when it's just hot burning ashes down our lungs to make us stupider. And you know, if you want to smoke weed, uh, pure weed that's not, you know, dosed uh, that doesn't have anything added to it or isn't synthetic once every month, okay fine, do what you want, but but you know, if it turns into a habit, you're you're making yourself stupider, you're making yourself lazier and it's it's gonna, you know, take you out of your best uh competency to do good work, you know.
0: Well anything anything that becomes a, a habit like that is bad for
2: yeah. you. Yeah. Right, you know, you, right.
0: And part of part of our quest here is, I think, to learn how to balance. Yeah, you know, you know
1: it's, it's funny. To, uh, I yeah. somebody I didn't know. It was a, I loved the guy as an actor all my life, but uh, nice. i after when he when he passed away, uh, last year, I was shocked because he he admitted to being a pot smoker for 50 years. All right, that was uh, uh, James Garner. Uh,
2: oh really? I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, he's a, he was a liberal activist all of his life, totally anti-war, anti everything. Even though he played in all those war movies, <laughs> you know, he said he Good said, actor. he said he he, he said in, a, in an interview he took he took those roles because I mean, give some, uh, to give some to give to, to to so that he could at least play the role uh, in a in an anti-war mood, you know, mode rather than on, yeah, you know, to give some kind of a. Uh, semblance to sanity to to these role to these pro military roles you
0: know with with all of the research you've done and the experience that you have in this area uh-huh. um how if if what what advice would you give to people who are liberal thinking who want to create change who maybe develop a movement like Occupy mm-hmm. Wall Street, which was infiltrated? What advice would you give them? What would you say to them?
1: How do you keep them from not being keep, infiltrated? How do
0: you keep them safe? How do they keep themselves
2: safe? Well, I, I think as much as I like um, group activism and and being part of a movement, I think there has to be some kind of degree of independent thinking and common sense so that um, if if you're infiltrated and there's several people all getting a bandwagon going to saying, how marijuana's uh, revolutionary, you know, acid's revolutionary and all that stuff, which was some of the stuff that was happening in the 60s. you got to be independent-minded and kind of use your common sense and say to yourself, it, you know, is this really true or or do we know better, you know, from and, and are we going to protect our minds and, uh, you know, have the sex and the rock and roll but without the drugs to, um, you know, just have fun with it all, be creative but not you know not you know, watch out for falling into the groupthink that uh has us doing things that just aren't not the best for for us individually.
0: When uh have you uh given talks to young people on on this on your book in um or, yeah. or schools, schools or well my
2: my book just came out um in mid to late May, so uh now I haven't had a lot of time to do that. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't think that schools will let me uh, talk (laughs) on this just yet because it's so, you know, radical. But um, maybe some colleges may, you know, in in due time. We'll see. Yeah. I think it would be very useful for
0: college students.
2: Yeah, Uh, yeah, thanks. I I know a friend of mine who teaches uh, is chair of the sociology department over at, um, you know, Cal State University in Los Angeles um, once is – is wants me out there to lecture, so I'm going to be doing planning on that in September. I know that's so the first would, time I do that.
0: I think that'd be very worthwhile. I, a lot. I think that kids should know about this, and I think that um, you know, it's it, they won't be as innocent as my generation was. You know, yeah. Thank you. And maybe at least if they're duped, they'll be
1: knowingly duped. Okay,
2: <laughs> yeah. Lila. is
1: Lila, a uh, school counselor for
2: Great, oh, that's great, Lila. Yeah. Where that's do you do me. that? Pardon me. Where do you where do you do that work? School counseling. Uh, what, in a local elementary school
0: here in Connecticut. In L.A.
2: Oh, in Connecticut. In Connecticut. Okay. So we're, in Connecticut. okay. In Connecticut, yeah, because yeah, I saw I thought I saw your show it was called L.A. Steel Show, so I thought you might be in L.A.
1: Well, actually no no actually it's it's not a, i've i've had a name for uh, fifteen years of have been doing this show on radio and television and uh it's oh, great. leo uh and my middle initial day but uh but okay. leo, uh was a. Was, nobody could ever spell my name properly
2: okay. or, or
1: pronounce it. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. So, so I said I need to. you know I had a couple of friends of mine on radio and, and television. I said uh-huh. hey, you need another name. You know. So uh, I thought of a, I thought of a bunch of them, and uh, uh-huh. and
2: Steele happened
1: to be the the best the best uh, name that that uh, I could find.
2: So uh, then right. the
1: guy said what? My friend said, well, one thing I got to ask. I like the name and everything, but. He says, "Why would you name yourself after a steel mill in in Los Angeles?" <laughs> I, said, I don't know, but I said it's uh, you know it's working. it's working well. You know, it was working very Good. well. Is, you know. Well, we're we're
0: right to the end of our show, and I I okay. would like to ask you where um, our audience could get your book.
2: Well, it, it's supposed to be sold at Barnes and Noble. Um, Now I don't know if all the Barnes & Nobles are stocking it, but I know that the Barnes & Nobles I've called have said that if they don't have it on the shelf, they can get it in the store uh, within two to three days. Um, So they will get it for you fast so you can look through it first before you buy it if you want. It was also available on Amazon, but um, I did an episode of Coast to Coast for three hours this weekend, and Amazon sold out of it. And so hopefully they're going to be restocking it very soon. Okay. Um, and it's supposed to be available at Books A Million, but uh, people have told me that uh, when they go to Books A Million, they say it can take two to four weeks to get, but um, hopefully some Books A Millions are putting it on their shelves also. Well,
1: you also, it's also available on, uh, from your website. Is,
2: can you get it? John it yeah, it's, it is available at my website, johnpotash.com, and um, that, that way you can get it directly from me, and I can sign it for you if you'd like me to sign it for you. So, um, yeah, you can find out more information about the book and my first book and DVD also at that website. So, yeah, feel free to check out com. Okay.
0: Well, we wish you the best of success in, in uh, selling your books and with your work. And I do Thanks hope so you much. On the on the talk circuit in colleges and yeah. universities.
2: Thanks again. Thanks so much for having me on, you guys. It was really enjoyable talking to you. Oh, you too. It was Pleasure. Thank you,
1: John, and um, have right. a pleasure. Good night.
2: Thanks, you Good too. Night. Good night. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thanks. And that was uh, John,
1: oh, John. Of the, uh, and author of Drugs Weapons Against Us. Right?
0: Yeah, really uh, an eye-opener?
1: Yeah. yeah
0: maybe uh, things that you thought, but he did the research and found out, yes, it is true. It's it's really takes the mask off it's really kind of yeah it, uh, it's
1: it's uh, yeah. something
0: you don't want to believe but it's
1: well I guess you know we had inklings of
0: this
1: yeah. we we knew about it and we knew about it I think most
0: people be. have known about it
1: but we didn't but we, you we didn't, try know, to, the, we didn't it, know the yeah. true extent of the uh, deception deception yeah
0: yep. you know those, uh, how and how we're manipulated be. lied yeah. to used
1: and yeah. abused yeah amazing but anyway that's what we're here for Kind of keep everybody uh, informed. Yep. Who will inform, who can be informed, and we'll do a show. So good night, everybody, and join us tomorrow when we have union issues. So uh-huh. well, good
0: night, folks.